welcome to Church Experience Online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you would like to access helpful growth steps, resources, join a servant team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this moment financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience Worship original songs, and we hope that gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience Online. So there's a beautiful and amazing island about uh, 400 square miles right off the east coast of Africa. It's between Africa and Madagascar. It's called Anjouan. And this, this island of Anjouan uh, peaked the news recently. And the reason why it peaked the news is because researchers and scientists discovered something on that island that they literally could not explain. They couldn't believe it. And it, and it wasn't a wild animal or some lost city. It was simply rocks. It was quartzite rocks. And the reason why it made news and the reason why it caused researchers to travel from around the world to study it is because from a secular scientific viewpoint on how the world was created over millions of years and how things evolved and all this, they could not explain why the quartzite rock, about a half a mountain of it, was on the island of Anjouan. There's no way from their perspective that that should ever happen because they know how they believe quartzite was created and how, how over time it was made from all these different materials and how it was formed and, and, the, and the raw materials for quartzite is not found on the substance of that island. There's no way. And so they start thinking, well, maybe over millions of years, continental plate drift and, and this tectonic plate drift, maybe that is, could be the reason why, but, but because of the volcanic materials on that island, and they, they, there was no associated uh, crust on any continent that could have been connected. They just, we cannot figure this out. They have their different theories and all this, and they're researching it, but what I really thought was fascinating about this article, though, was the, the final paragraph in it, and it, it said that one researcher, this is, this is what nature presents sometimes. You know, it's something we consider impossible, but then we find it. And once we find it, here it is, we have to explain it. <laughs> once we find it, we have to explain it. And, 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 you know, that's interesting, and we could talk about creation, but, but today we're going to talk about beliefs. And in this new teaching series about our beliefs and studying the religions of the world, I was thinking, you know what? If we started with a blank sheet of paper, like if you, if you believe nothing and, and you could be born at the age you are now and with the mind you have now and you just, okay, explain what you see in the world around you. Like you would very quickly come to the place that they came to. You would very quickly come to the place where you're saying, you know what? There are things in this life that seem impossible. And, and I don't know how they got here. I don't know how they exist or why they exist. They're, they're problems of impossibility. And you would be tasked with explaining those things. And, and, and then you would have other big questions that you would very quickly come to. And these questions, the kind that keep you up late at night, like, where did we come from? <laughs> what happens when we die? Like, what, what, what's after this life? What's the purpose of this life? Like, why are we here? Questions like, who decides between right or wrong? Is there an actual right and wrong? Or does this always change? Is it based on opinion? Like, does it matter? You know, what's right? What's wrong? Like, you would come to these sorts of questions, and you would have to decide what you think 
what you believe on each of these very critical and core life questions. Religion, what religion is, it's a set of beliefs. I have this in your teaching notes. It's a set of beliefs that answer these ultimate questions. That's, that's what religion really is. It's the best definition I came across of, of, of what religion is. It's a set of beliefs that answer those ultimate questions. And, and everybody, has, everybody has an idea of what they think the answers are to these questions. Some might simply say to some of them, I just don't know. But most people are not okay with leaving these ultimate questions unanswered. They might answer it through science. They might answer it through reasoning, through opinions, through what they read. But everybody, I, I came across one author who said, everybody has a religion. <laughs> and, and your religion might be a higher power. It might be a God. It, it might be that there is no God. I, I'm choosing to believe someone might say that there is no God and it's all science. But that is is itself a belief that is, an, and some could contend, a religion because you believe that life just happened. So, so religion, it answers these big questions, and it's so important. It's so important what we believe because what I believe really impacts how we live, and I'm so excited in this teaching series because we are going to learn more about what we believe, and we're going to put those roots down deeper, and we're going to be able to have conversations in a more fluent way with our friends who believe differently uh, than we do, in a loving way, but in, in a more understanding kind of way, because we, we're going to see things a little different. We're going we're gonna to mature in our understanding of what we believe, and hopefully that's going to impact how we actually live. Well, for many people, the thought that there is no God, that there is there's no creator, for many of us, I would guess that the vast majority of us in this room, based on the reason why we're here, would say that we agree that, that that's not a good answer. And the reason why the majority of the world's population is in some sort of religion is because leaving the big questions um, undone by there is no God, there's no high power, there's no reason, it's a pretty dark existence. Because if you think about it, if you, if you believe that this world is only the effect of an original cause that was an accident, it was just something that happened. However many millions or billions of years ago it just happened and life just kind of evolved from that point. Then what you also have to agree with that there's no real purpose in life. You can make a purpose, right? I mean, you can find a purpose. My purpose is to love others or make the world a better place. But you have to agree that there is actually no purpose in life itself. No inherent purpose because it just, it was an accident. You also have to agree that when it's over, then... From all what we know and understand, it's probably just over. And that's pretty dark. That's just the end. It's just life just kind of keeps evolving. Now you can make up, and then you, that's where you get into some religions. Well, maybe, maybe we get reincarnated somehow. We get to do it again or something. But my, my, my existence goes out into the atmosphere, and it, and it gets to be a part of the next thing. But you, you really have to agree that if, if it was an accident, it probably ends the same way it started, and it's, it's just it's over. And that there's no purpose. And for most people, those answers to the ultimate question seem very dark. And they don't seem to match the significance that we see in life when you look into the eyes of somebody that you love. And, and there is such purpose. And there's such beauty and diversity. And, and, and some of us would say, to those who say, I just don't have enough faith to believe, my answer has been many times to a friend, you know, actually for me, it would take more faith for me to believe that this world is an accident. When I see how incredible it is, 
when I see the variety of, the wor- this, of God's creation in the world and how intricate and detailed even the human body is and, and, and just nature and animals and science and, I mean, oceans and waterfalls and mountains, all of that, it's just beyond, it would be a, a bigger leap of faith for me to say, that just happened. No matter how many millions of years you gave it to happen, it just happened. To me, that, that would take more faith than what I believe, that God created it. But either way, Whatever your set of beliefs are, your friends' beliefs are, your family's beliefs are, it does come down to one word, doesn't it? Comes down to faith. And you've heard the classic illustration. You you have faith, right? Even you had when you sat down in your chair today, you had faith because when you sat down, you didn't you didn't look around before you sat down and like, okay, let's give this a try. Let's let's see. Let's see. Oh, okay, it worked. No, you you just plopped down into your seat, you crashed down into it because you trusted. They was going to hold you. You had faith, and, and we all live by faith. You know, we have this trust based on experience, reasoning, what other people have said. We, we have faith. Sometimes our faith can be misguided. Sometimes we can believe in things that we don't realize that we've bought into. But we all have faith. There's a woman who had a lot of faith in our city just this last week, and again, she made news headlines, and maybe you heard about it. An alligator broke into her house right here in Clearwater. It's crazy. Did you hear the story? Check it out. It just happened. I got up at 3.30 to use the restroom, and as I came out, I heard this huge, marvelous crash, like the whole roof was falling in on the side of my house. And having had just a new air conditioner put in my attic, I decided the air conditioner didn't like the attic and was hitting my kitchen. So I headed for the kitchen, and as I got to the door to the kitchen, I had this beautiful face staring at me as though he belonged there. And this 10-foot gator was having a marvelous time sitting right in my kitchen. It had come in through the windows in my kitchen, had broken all the wine bottles, broken all the glass in the place, and he was now, I don't, I don't think he made it out without glass in him. I had 10 policemen and two, whatever you call those, catchers. So for the next two hours, it took us to get that guy out of there. I was scared, but not, not so scared that I couldn't function, you know? I was hyperventilating a little, so what I did was I went on the computer and played games to settle down. While he was in your in your kitchen? Yes. Well, I had to wait till the police got there. I couldn't do anything. My door was closed, and if I really wanted to go out back, I couldn't. So they let me out back, made me walk all the way around to the front to watch what's going on. So, so wait a second. So you're saying there's like an alligator in your house that's big enough to eat you in a moment. And he broke into your house. And you're saying you just like shut the door and went in the other room and played a video game. Like, that's faith, man, I'm telling you. That's some, that's some serious faith. Like, I want to wait it outside. I want to wait at the neighbor's house. I'm just saying, like, that's faith, you know. You know, we, we have faith in, in, in life and the things that we believe. And, and, and we live, we fu- here's what I'm trying to say, we function on faith. We do. Whatever our belief is in, we, we function based on our set of beliefs, our answers to the questions that we have. Maybe sometimes we don't care. I don't know. I don't care. I don't want to talk about it. But underneath all of that, which usually is a facade, by the way, with like, you know, interviews, I don't know, I don't want to talk about it. Underneath that, there's a belief. I don't want to talk about it. 
But I have a belief. I have an opinion on a lot of things. And if you push comes to shove and you, you make me respond, I'm going to give you some kind of a response to what I believe. And everybody's got those beliefs. But here's, here's what's so important and why this, why this teaching series matters. And I hope you'll be here every week as we go through this because, man, we're going to wrestle with some things that have huge implications, eternal implications. My beliefs impact how I live. The choices I make, how I lead my life, how I raise a family, what, what I, career I go after, how I do it, how I live. How, I mean, my faith impacts how I function in life. Well, because there's so many important questions out there and so many opinions, it's not surprising that we have a lot of different world religions. And of the 7.7 billion people on our planet, they say over 5 billion of them are part of the four top religions. Now, this is, I would imagine, a very loose, I mean, how do you survey 7 billion people? You don't. So it's very loose in the sense of they, Christianity, the biggest category here, you can see it, uh, 2.4 billion people. Uh, it includes Catholics, Protestants, everyone who probably goes to church on Easter or says they believe or is in an area where they think that's a Christian area. But very broadly, 2.4 billion Christian, Islam, 1.8 million Hinduism, 1.1 billion, and uh, Buddhism, half a billion. So all these billions of people, a lot of big numbers, a lot of zeros. But the, the point being that most people in the world are considered a part of some religion. Now, they're all going to have, a, you're going to have a scale of really devout, committed people in any religion, and you're going to have people who loosely affiliate or their parents believe, this kind of thing. But the, the point is, most people in the world are religious in some way, and especially a part of these core religions, and we'll study those and some others as well. But, but the, the, the point being that, that, that people have faith, people believe, because the, the idea that, that, that there is there is no God, that there's, there's no, no truth, that it's all an accident, it doesn't really matter, like, people find a way to make it matter. They, they come up with rules and guidelines and beliefs and purposes because if I have no answers, that's a, really a dark reality. Now, there is, especially here in the West, there's a growing number of people. They put a label on them. They call them the nuns. People say, I have no, I have no religion. I have none. I, it doesn't matter to me. I don't, I don't want to be in that discussion. But even that is a set of beliefs, isn't it? I believe that there is no God. That means I have a belief. My belief is that, that, that it was an accident or it was science or whatever my reason is. But however you want to describe it and label it, it doesn't matter. The point is I have a belief. So, so the fact that I have a belief means that I have faith because I believe in what it is that I'm saying that I intellectually believe I have, I have faith. And, and I want to look at a story today about a guy uh, that Jesus talked about him. He had, he, had, he had faith. He had belief in something. And that belief led him down a path that eventually got him to rock bottom. He hit a really hard spot. And I, I would recommend here uh, Dean Halverson's book on world religions. I spent a considerable amount of time studying this, and if you want to dig deeper into some world religions, that's a great place to start. There's a lot of resources out there. But uh, he pointed me to this, this scripture passage, gave some great insights, and I'm going to build on that today with today's message. And I, I just think that this story represents so well how, how many of us are living, maybe without even realizing it. We're allowing our beliefs to guide our life, and sometimes that's very good. Sometimes it can be destructive. In Luke chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus is telling a story, and he says this. He says, there's a man and two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, 
But no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. This son of mine was 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 dead and he's alive again. This is a, an amazing story of, of reconciliation, of, of, of love of the Father. But it's also a story of some poor choices that were made on some faulty beliefs. And, and this son, he believed that his current situation, it was apparently a very blessed situation. We know that there's, there's affluence involved and there's wealth and his father has a, a home and a, and a and in a state that's large enough that he has servants, there's an inheritance. Uh, there's plenty for this son to enjoy. But he had a belief. A belief was that, that my father's holding out on me. That I would be better off alone. My, my, my belief, if I'm in this son's shoes, is that if I could just go out there and get some for me, if I can go out there and, and get more for me and, and do it my own way, then I'm going to be better off. And he rejected his father. Now, I might not come out and say that he rejected his father, but look at his actions. He may have loved his father, but he rejected his, his father because he wanted to do it his own way. He rejected his father's financial advice. Father was going to give him the estate. He's going to pass it on to him and his brother, but, but here's the thing. He said, I want it now. I want to do it my way, how, how I want it. I, so give it to me now. He rejected his father's financial plan. He also rejected his father's morals. His father raised him a certain way. We don't have a lot of details here that Jesus gives us, but his father raised him a certain way, and he, he leaves, and he goes out, and he wastes his whole inheritance on wild living. He's doing whatever he wants. Wasted it all. So he rejected him that way. He even rejected him physically. I'm going to put some miles between us. You know, you're here. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go do my own thing. Went off to a far-off place. He rejected the father. And it was all built on a belief, I think, that there's something out there that's better than what I got here. And my father, he's, he's keeping me from <laughs> what I really need. And Jesus here, of course, is, is, is talking about the father. A representative could be the, the father in heaven, God in heaven. And, and, and I think we do that, don't we? I think it happens all the time. I was literally just this week talking to a friend, not a part of our church, but, but he's, he's going through a really difficult time. His wife is, is leaving him, split family. Kids are going to grow up without mom and dad in the home. And just a sad situation. And he got gut level honest with me, and as he explained and unpacked the situation, what, from his perspective, it happened was his wife started watching the lives of other people who had more, who did more, and, and, and whatever that was, and that lust for the things of the world, the greed, got inside of her, and she felt like to leave her family, because her family's holding her back, and others are out there getting something she doesn't have, and so if I leave my family, then I go out and get it, then I'm going to be better off. And now our family's broken. And that happens all, all the time, especially in a world where people are making horrible trades. This son was, was trading instant gratification. I'm going to get what I want now 
for long-term satisfaction. So, so if I can get instant gratification now, then I'm going to be better off. That was his belief, but he traded that for long-term satisfaction. And people are doing this all the time. We're in an instant culture. People spend a lot of their days even looking on Instagram. They want to know what's happening right now in other people's lives. And we get all these highlights that pop up. And, 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 and that way, if you're not careful, that, all that stuff can, that's going before your eyes, that can affect what's in your mind and in your heart. And then eventually how you live. Well, well everyone else has got something I don't have. I'm going to go get it. And instead of being content and, and working the land that God's given us, we chase these far-off fantasies that never fulfill. And in the end, it leads to brokenness. And this guy, he's... He, he's, he leaves the father that loves him, the home that he's raised in, and he goes off, and I'm going to go do it my own way. Hits rock bottom. Here's what I think is behind all this. He has a faulty belief. He has a faith in something that he was not careful to guard his heart, and that something that he believed in started to impact how he actually lived. I wonder in this room, even, among many of us who believe and I'm aware of the fact there's, there may be some here that who don't believe. But, but, but many of us in this room, we would believe in God and we'd have faith in him. But I wonder how, how many of us, maybe even very mature believers, maybe following God for a long time, we've, we've, without realizing it, reached out. And we've started to grab onto some of the beliefs of the world. And we've started to pull them really close to our heart. We don't even realize it, but we haven't guarded our heart, and we, we've been watching the world. We've been looking at the world. We're in the world. We forgot that we're not of the world, but we are in the world, and we've started to, well, maybe I ought to, maybe I ought to go do this a little bit. God, I'll, I'll, give me a few minutes. <laughs> God, God, I'm just going to go try this path out a little bit, and then all of a sudden, we're, we're, we're taking a few steps down somewhere that leads us to where we don't want to go, and, and this son, he, man, he ran far down this path, ruined his life, and got to a, a very low place, hit rock bottom. Sometimes people have to do that for their life to change. Had to hit rock bottom. I hope that doesn't happen in our lives, but, but sometimes that's the only way God can get our attention. See, he lets us experience the consequences of the beliefs that we've started to buy into. Our beliefs, you know, without even realizing them, uh, that we, 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 we take action on those beliefs, and then we realize that there's reactions for every action. Do you know what I'm saying? Have you, have you done this before? You, you believe something? Someone sold you on something? It's not a big deal. Just try it. And, and then all of a sudden, there was these long-term reactions in your life, a chain reaction based on an action. And then you pay the consequence later, and you, you're fully in control of your choice. God gives us the ability to choose, but he does not give us the ability to always determine our consequences. So we choose an action, and then there's a reaction. And all that's from a belief. You know, like for just a little fun example, I had this, this, this last month, I had, you know, got a, uh, communication for my internet company. I've had the same internet uh, Wi-Fi company from my house for like five years. And they said, uh, hey, we're going to, you have a really old router. It's ancient and, and we can give you a faster one. I really wasn't interested in that at first. I'm like, well, I do, I do email. So it's like, I don't really need high speeds. You know, we stream some Netflix every once in a while, but cool. All right, it's going to be $5 cheaper and it's new. Okay, whatever. And I thought they were going to come install it. And I get in the mail this box, you know, and I'm like, oh, seriously, I got sucked in. And so I got to open this thing, and there's way too many wires and stuff. And I'm not super techie. I can figure it out. And I'm on the phone with the guy, and he's like, well, connect the A to B and all this stuff. And we finally get it figured out. I'm like, whew, all right, finally. That's, that was more than what I thought I got into when I agreed to this, but at least we're good. Okay, I'm like, good, I'm walking away. And then all of a sudden, you know, the family of six, you know, you got... Hey, Dad, my computer's not working. I can't get online. It's like, all right, let's go figure out. We'll put the new Wi-Fi in there. Okay. 
I can't print anything. It's like, oh, yeah, that's wireless too, all right? <laughs> the little digital frame that we got from Christmas that gets, oh, the pictures are not, it's not, it's not online. My phone won't connect. The thermostat, I'm, I can't, everything is connected to Wi-Fi. I had no idea I got sucked in. My whole world is, what happens if the internet goes down? You ever thought about that? We're done. Just just go to an island. Go to Anjuan. Like, just move somewhere because your world's going to fall apart. I don't know. But I, I, my, I thought just this one, I was sold. I was sold by a customer. I just, we're going to just up Upgrade it. It's like hours, you know, later, all the different settings and things that need to be changed and plugged in. So you, one little belief, it's not a big deal. It's just an action. My action, my action, if I'm, I'm not careful, is going to have some chain reactions. Here's all I'm trying to help with is, is maybe some of us in the room have started to believe something that, that, that could ruin us. This son, like, I'm going to be better off alone. I don't need the Father. Just give me mine now. I'm going to go get some. I'm going to be, I'm going to make something of myself. I'm going to be successful. This world's going to recognize me. I'm going to be somebody. You have no idea the lies that are out there that are, the devil's like a roaring lion. He's trying to destroy. But you have a father in heaven who loves you. And he knows what you need and he knows how to take care of you. And, and I just, as a pastor, when there's people I love and I see them go down a trail and, and maybe it starts out seemingly innocent, but you, you kind of see, because you've seen other people take that, that road and you see them take some steps and you think, man, I, I hope they don't keep going. And you try, but... You have people in your life that you love. You see them take actions, and you see the reactions. See, this is why beliefs matter so much. This is why this conversation matters so much, and it's in your notes, because I'm always living out my believing. That's why my beliefs matter, because I'm always living out my believing. My, my believing is the foundation. It's the kind of the rock of my life, and then whatever it is that I believe is going to determine how I live. So when my rock is God, when he's the foundation, when my belief is in him, I, I trust that he has my best interest in mind. So as I'm following him, as I'm living for him, he's going to determine my way and he's going to lead me. He's going to bless me as I follow him. I mean, I, I think that this son, I think we all have a little bit of him in us. I think that we can all have misguided beliefs from time to time. I just want to be aware when they happen so I can correct it before it corrects me. You know what I'm saying? And I think, I think this, this son is a gift to us because you don't, you don't have to learn the hard way. Some of us say we always learn the hard way. I've had my fair share of those. But you don't have to. You can learn from someone else's mistakes. And this son wanted to be independent. And, and my mentor, PK, such a gift in my life um, still to this day. But for years now, I, one of the, the, the messages I, I've got from him is that, you know, spiritually, um, we, we mature in the exact opposite way that we do physically. And spiritually, as I mature, I become more dependent on God. This just rocked my world when I first heard this because I feel like I'm an independent person in a lot of ways. You probably feel the same. It's in us. It's in our humanity. And, you know, we want to be independent. In fact, when it starts out as a young child, as you mature in life, you get more independent. I got the car keys now. I can, I can go places. I got my own apartment. Like, I, I can, I can kind of be independent as I get older. I, I remember when we, we got pregnant with our first child. We were, you know, we were so excited. And having kids, man, it'll, it'll mature you fast. You, you realize how selfish you are when you have to care for somebody else, right? And uh, we had this baby, and so it's already starting to affect our life, and we're rearranging our house, getting a baby room set up, and we're planning on going on a trip. We're living out west. We're going to drive out to Denver, and we had this big vacation planned. We go to the 20-week checkup on the way out, and the doctor sets us down in the room after she does all the, the things and says, hey, listen, uh, you guys aren't going on that trip. <laughs> what are you talking about? 
Like, like Jennifer, your, your body is starting to prepare to have this baby at 20 weeks. That's not good. You could lose this baby. And so we we're so excited about our first son. We're, we're just, we're, we're dialed in. Okay, what do, you, what do you mean? What does this mean? She says, well, you're going to be on bed rest for a few months here. And you better just pray hard that this, this baby doesn't come early. Because at 20 weeks, chances of survival are, are very small. And chances of blindness if they live, all these other things. Like, you need to pray. So we get on the phone. We're, we're everybody. Hey, pray for us. Our church, our, our, our family, everybody. Hey, pray for us. And people are praying. And we got to 24 weeks. And we celebrated that in 28 weeks. And we're praying for this little guy. And we're 30 weeks, 32. We get to like 38 weeks. And we're like, whoo. All right, everybody, you can stop praying. We, we made it. We're like in the safe zone now. 39 weeks, 40 weeks. She went like two weeks past due day. Come on, guys, stop praying. Like, we're so thankful, but like, she's ready to have the baby now. And we finally have to put an inducement date on the calendar, and it's going to be the next day. We go to sleep that night. We got the hospital bag packed, and we're, <laughs> we're sleeping. And, and sound, I'm, I'm dead asleep. And, and, and Jennifer gives me that elbow, like, we got to go. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's not till tomorrow. I'll go back to bed. She's like, no, my water broke. And I'm like, oh, yep, it did. Let's go. And so we grab the bag and we run out the door and get in the car. We're driving for the hospital. And literally, like a deer crossed the road where we live. There's a deer. I almost hit a deer on the way. I was like, all right. You know, we get to the hospital and cruise in there and have the baby. And oh, man, just a thing. And they, they, they placed my son. I've, I've told them this before. I, they put Jalen in my arms. And, and I, I'm not, I, I have a deficiency in tears. I, I try, but they just don't come usually. But Man, they just started coming. Like, oh, this is my son. I was so happy. And, and, and man, what, what a great two days it was there in the hospital because they have a whole team of nurses. Some of you work at the hospital. God bless you guys. They are incredible. Like, you just love on people and care about people. And they were like, hey, can we change the diaper for you? Yes, thank you. Can I get you a juice? Oh, thank you so much. It was awesome. It's like, we, we should have done this earlier. This is great. And, like, they're just taking care of us. And then, and then they say, all right, hey, all right, you guys sign the papers and you guys can go. And I, I really was like, Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> and they're like, well, you can go home. We're like, okay, so are you, you going to come with us? Right, right? Like, is there an instruction book? Like, they gave us, you sign the paper, you can go. I'm like, tell me what I need to know. I've never done this before. This is a life. Like, I'm, you're telling me, do you think I'm responsible? Do you want me to tell you some stories? <laughs> I'm really, uh, do you want to put a camera in my house? I'm okay if you spy on me. I don't need privacy right now. I need help. <laughs> you know, I, I really, but, but the thing is that they realize is that you have this, God's going to help you, you, you have this in you, you can do it, it's natural, you're going you're gonna to be fine. But, but I didn't even know, they believed in me more than I believed in myself. And, and, and here's the thing, this child was so dependent on me and his mother. That those first few years, we had to feed the baby, we had to care for the baby, we had to do everything. Well, he's 11 now. He's about to turn 12. He doesn't think he needs me so much. He tries to beat me in basketball. He does all kinds of stuff. He's, he's getting mature. There's going to be a day when he's like, I need the car keys, Dad. There's going to be a day when he's like, all right, Dad, it's been great. I'm moving out. I'm going to school or a good job, whatever. See, here's the thing. As we mature physically, uh, we become more independent. But spiritually, it's the exact opposite. Because I start out, and I'm in this wild living, do whatever I want, go wherever I want to go. Do, I call the shots. I'm doing my own thing. But what I start to realize over time is that as I get closer to Jesus and I learn about him and I start to place my belief in him and my faith in him, I realize that, that I want to be dependent. Because his ways are higher than my ways, and his wisdom is greater than mine, and he sees timelines I don't see. He sees what's coming and what's been. He's been there every day of my existence. He loves me. He believes in me more than I believe in myself. 
So I want to be dependent on someone like that. I want, God, I want you to lead me. I'll look at Galatians 5. Look at Romans 8. Walk in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. This is what maturity is spiritually. It's I'm staying close to him. He's guiding me. He's directing me. I'm waking up in the morning. Spirit, lead me. I need your wisdom today, God. Father, please help me know how to live and honor you and please you. I become more dependent the closer I am to him. And that wisdom pays off in the end because God's ways are better. They're higher. He leads me where he wants me to go. So, so as I grow, I become more dependent. This son didn't understand that. Father's holding out on me. Independence is what I need. Dependence is what he actually needed. I wonder if some of us in the room have started to believe things that are going to impact our actions, and then we're going to lose control of some of those reactions because we haven't guarded our heart. We started to believe things that are affecting how we live. Because, again, in your notes, my, my living's always impacted by my believing. It directs it. That's why my beliefs are so important. Well, if I can go back to this story here for a moment in, in verse 14. You know, this, this son, he's, it says he'd, he'd spent everything. Severe famine, the whole country, he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who, who sent him to his field to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. So he's even here rejecting his father's religion. If, you know, Jesus, from a Jewish background, if, if this, he's telling the story about this guy, this, this parable. So if he's Jewish too, then he's even rejected his father's religion by being with these pigs and feeding them and wanting to feed off what they feed off. Like it's just, so he's, he's really hit rock bottom. He, he's, he's wanting the food of animals. And he starts to reason. And he says, if you go on down here through verse 19, he's, he starts to think, well, you know what? Those servants in my father's house, they have enough to eat. I ate really good when I was there. I was his son. The servants ate good too. I had it better, but, you know, they had it good. But I'm down here in this horrible spot. I don't even have it as good as those guys. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home to dad, and I'm going to say, Dad, I know I made some foolish decisions. Forgive me. Would you just hire me? I'll take minimum wage. I'll clean the toilets. I'll do, I'll, just put me on the, the bottom rung of the ladder. I'm cool with that. Like, because that's going to be better than what I got going on now. And so he says this, and he goes back to his father with his new plan. But his new plan is really what's inside of almost every religion in the world. You want to know what's different about Christianity and what many of us believe versus what a lot of the religions of the world, it's, it's right here in this. I'm going to go back and, and with the Father, with the God, with the higher power, with the Creator, whatever, I'm going to work my way into a relationship. It's a transaction. Now, whether it's five prayers you pray or attending some kinds of services or some higher enlightening or whatever it is, the things I do are going to define my relationship. It's, it's performance-based. You know, he goes back and he says, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. It's, he's talking about his actions. My, my actions are not worthy. You know, it's humbling to receive unmerited, unearned favor, forgiveness, grace, and just to say thank you. Doesn't that, doesn't it feel awkward? Do you think of a time when someone handed you something and it was a gift to you and, and just out of nowhere? And you, you're humbled, you're blown away, and you're thank you, but you kind of almost, there's almost this, you feel bad. You have to humble yourself to receive it and say thank you because you, well, man, you, you shouldn't have done that. You don't, I didn't deserve that. Like, well, I'm, I'm going to get you back. Yeah, thank you for paying that. I'm a, I got you next time. It's like there's this part of us that still wants to earn it. And, and it's humbling to, to say thank you. The Father's love. I'm not worthy of it, but thank you. Thank you so much. And, and, and he wasn't ready yet to humble himself to that point. I'm going I'm to earn my way back in. I'm going I'm to earn it. Something I do. 
And, and I, I think that this is the prevalent false teaching of, of most religions, the way I can understand it as I've studied it, that, that most, most people are trying to in some way earn favor with this higher power, creator, God, the, the things I do or the, the habits of my life or the way I live or how I clean up my life. It's, it's all these things that I do. And, and it's almost like an interview, right? Because I want to be on my best behavior all the time because I want whoever's up there to like look down and say, it's good, you know, good job, or you're, you're accepted, you're welcomed, or here's the, the thing. And, and, and like, I, I, want, I want that. You know, I want to impress others. I, I, want, I want to feel impressive uh, to myself. I want to feel like I please myself, and, and I want to please him. It's like this, this is the culture that we live in. It's this impressing others. It's like there's this constant audition, <laughs> this, this constant interview that's going on. It's like, what's the perception of others? What's the perception of God? It's a belief, it's a mindset that you can get stuck in without realizing it. It's prevalent. And that's what's behind a lot of the religions in the world. If, if I could just impress him, if I can just perform right, whatever those things are, then I'll be accepted and I'll get the reward, whether it's eternal life or whatever it is, or forgiveness of my, and letting go of my guilt, whatever it is, then I can. And, and I put it this way in your notes. Here, here, Christianity is so different. Stop the interview. It's, it's not about an interview. Stop the interview. You can have the position. This is God's offer. You can have the position. You can be part of the family. You don't have to earn it. It's not about your worthiness. It's not, it's not whether you earned it, whether you did enough good or enough bad. In the religion of, of Islam, in, in the Quran, there's, there's a hierarchy of angels. And they will, they will teach, in, uh, teach Muslims that, that there's angel Gabriel, who's the highest angel. And then there's a succession of angels under him. This is like this hierarchy. And, and every person's assigned two angels. And you have an angel that's keeping track of all the good that you do and an angel that's keeping track of all the bad that you do. And in the end, the good needs to outweigh the bad. And, and, and that's, it, it's, it's a... It's based on my performance, what I do. It's just one example of, of many that we could say. But, but, but the point is, it's like Christianity is so different because it's not, it's not based on what I do. And that's so freeing. That, that's what we call grace. And, and i, and I got to re, be reminded that no matter how long I follow Jesus, I need to be reminded of that every day, that my, my standing with God is not based on what I do. It, it's based on what he has done. The Father has loved me. He first loved me, so I can respond in love to him. I don't know if you noticed the language that he used here at the end of the story, but this is what sets Christianity apart from all other religions of the world. He says, he says, for this son of mine was dead. Everybody say dead. Come on, say dead. He was dead, and he is alive again. He was lost. Everybody say lost. He was lost, and he's found. So they began to celebrate. Jesus is here giving us a glimpse into why all this matters so much. See, the religions of the world all agree for the most part. There's so many branches and varieties and differences, but, uh, but most of them all agree that we have a problem. <laughs> we can see that. You just turn on the television, you know, read the news. I mean, you, there's a problem with humanity. Most people agree on that. We got a problem. And everybody's got their own solution, a higher enlightening, more wisdom, religion, whatever the, the answer is. But, but most Every religion of the world, if not every single one of them, would, would say that we have a problem and there's a way to solve it. There's a solution. We've got to work harder. We've got to do these things. We've got to pray. We've got to get more wisdom, whatever the thing is, but there's a way to solve it. Christianity is very different. Christianity says we do have a problem, but the problem is way worse than you can imagine. The, the problem is, is described all throughout Scripture, but you can see in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead. Everybody say dead. <laughs> You were dead in your transgressions and sins. You were spiritually dead. There's, so when you're dead, you, 
You don't get better. It's not like you improve. It's you're done. You have no hope, no chance. And spiritually, Christianity says you're way worse off than what you can imagine, and you cannot fix it. The Bible says our righteousness, my good deeds are like filthy rags to God because his standard's perfect, and I've, I've sinned, and there's this corruption in me, the sin cancer that will destroy me, and in the end, it will lead to death. The wages of sin is death. A physical death, that's going to happen. That's the result of the fall, but then also a spiritual death and a forever separation from my father. And so there is a severe reaction to the actions of my life. And and it says, by the way, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so because of that, I have no hope. That's where Christianity is different. (laughs) We got no hope. You can't fix it. You can't make it better. You can't get good morals or good wisdom and do all these things and rituals and attend services and believe these certain things. And then you're good. No, 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 no. You, You can't do it on your own. There's only one thing that can save you, and that's faith in what Jesus has already done, a belief in, in him. And Jesus, when he says in John 14, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus' way was. It's what he did. He's not saying, hey, you've got to do all these things. He's saying, no, you believe in me. You have faith in me. Then, then I'll receive you. John 1.12, to all those who believed in him, to those who received him, he gave the right to become, listen to this, this is amazing. He gave the right to become children of God. So adopted into the family of God, so he becomes my father. And by the way, that's very exclusive. When our friends say, well, that's very narrow-minded. There's so many religions in so many ways. How can you say that? How can Jesus say that there's only one way? I'm the way and the truth and the life, and no one, John 14, 6, comes to the Father except through me. Well, you have to read the whole of what Jesus said, because it is a very, very specific path, but it's very wide open. John chapter 3, for God so loved the world that whoever believes, you know, whoever, that, that's, that word whoever is very expansive. Now, there is a narrow road. It makes no mistake about it. The scripture says there's a narrow road, and few find it. But it's not saying that invitation is only open to a few. It's saying there's a narrow road, but, but whoever, whoever would like to come, but the few are going to find it. Most are going to take the broad road that leads to destruction. So it's not narrow. Everyone, everyone is welcome to come. And Jesus paid the price so that we can come. We're all invited. And so this way of Jesus, this, this path of his is not based on my performance. It's a position, a position based on grace and belief in him. And I just think that's a beautiful thing because it takes my performance out of it. It's not about what I do or don't do. See, here's the message of Christianity. It's in your notes. Sin is, is more serious than I realize, and grace is greater than I can imagine. <laughs> I love that. Like, sin's a bigger deal than what I thought. Because it's, it's going to ruin me. And this son had no idea when he left his father all that was going to happen in his life. But, but that's the consequence, the reaction. But equally and, and more powerfully true, like a, a wave of grace that sweeps over all of the poor decisions I've made in life. His grace is greater than I can imagine. So my sin was great, as we've sang before here, but his, his grace is greater. His love is greater. My, my sin is significant, but my Savior is greater. And that, that's the beauty of Christianity. So when I wake up every day, the Bible tells me his mercies are new every morning. So I'm going to fail, and it's not about me like the son going back to my father every day and saying, okay, God, I'll, I'll work better today. I'll try harder today. I'll get it right today. It doesn't mean I go on living in sin because it's now it's just I have a different battery inside me. My battery inside me driving me now is not a performance like the son going back. I'm going to earn my way in. No, 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 no. No, this is something I've, I've connected into a, an eternal power supply that's driving me now, and that's love. It's, it's, not, it's not a transaction. No, it's a relationship. So I've plugged into him, and I'm saying, all right, I'm, I'm living 
earn for you, God. I want to honor you. I want to I I please you because I love you, not because i got to earn my standing. It's because I love you. That's what's different about what I believe. And in the end, and I have this in your teaching notes, that God, God wants me to experience more than good religion. He wants a great relationship. That's what he wants. Not a good religion. A great relationship. And I don't know, maybe, maybe today you came in and you have some set of beliefs, but, but, but you haven't yet placed your faith in Jesus and believed in him. And you got to get this, this square one, building block one in place if you want to. As we're going to go throughout this teaching series and, and we're going to grapple with all kinds of questions and we're going to learn so much and we're going to study some of the religions of the world. It's going to be interesting and uh, engaging and I hope it will help you just grow so much in your faith. But, but we got to begin with this one. How are you doing in that? Have you, have, have you been living like your faith is all about the grace of God, the love of God? Or have you made your Christianity even? A religion where it's about your works. Because you can even make the icon of a cross an idol if you're not careful. And don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I believe in the cross. And the cross is where the power is, the the death and resurrection of Jesus. But if I'm not careful, I can make my set of beliefs even about a God that's true and real. I can make that a religion by thinking somehow that, that my standing with this amazing God is based on how deserving I am, how worthy I am, what I've done. I still might do very similar things. I might still attend worship because he tells me not to give up worshiping together, but I'm not coming to worship every week because if I don't, then there's some eternal check mark and I, I might not get in. And, and what does he think? I'm doing, man, I love him so much and I know he wants me to be in worship and he wants me to be with my church family and to, to come together at the beginning of one week and the end of another and thank him for all he's done, who he is, and, and ask for his guidance and his love in, in the week ahead. Like I know how important this is to, to my father. My father loves me and I, I love him. And so I'm, I'm just doing it for different reasons reasons. I might even be doing the same thing as I used to do, but now I'm doing it for different reasons. It's driven by grace, by grace. What fuels you? What, what motivates you? What drives you? I hope that it's based on love. My father loves me. He gave his son for me. You know, that, that message of sacrifice is a message that, that people in the world relate to, and if you'll watch for it, you'll see the message of Jesus all over. You'll, you'll see the message, and, and this is the ancient message that was from the beginning. Even though there's a pinpoint on the map, and by the way, people can try and explain it away, but, but we, we even tie our entire calendar. It's 2019. We're, we're saying it's approximately 2,000-some years since Christ's birth. People have drilled down into it and say, well, about three years difference or whatever. He's got an opinion. But essentially, and however it came about and all the reasons, but in the end of the day, our whole calendar, A.D., B.C., like it's all built on the most important moment in human history. But that's not when it first happened. It, it happened in the mind of God. God, God, he's outside of time. He knew what was going to happen. And he still created us anyway, even though he knew we were going to mess it up. And he always had a solution in mind. John chapter 1, the word was there in the beginning. Jesus is the word. He, he was there at the very beginning. He's always, he's always been in God's, God's plan of redemption. And so that story, when we were created, was that desire was, was within us. That we, we were born into a sinful world, and we knew we needed a, a solution, a savior. And if you'll watch for it, you'll see it all over because it resonates deeply within people. You'll see it in movies. The, you know, there's the villain, and there's the, 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 the evil, and the, the problem, and the corruption, and then there's the sacrifice, and there's the savior. And it, it takes on so many forms. In fact, even if you study Buddhist literature, there's a story that they hold on to. as a cousin of, of Buddha, and there's a story of, of Prince... Muhammad of the Shakaya clan, and he came up against this violent king of the Kosala, 
group, and they conquered them, and they took all these people of the Shekiah clan prisoner, and they held them in the castle. And this, this prince, this devout Buddhist follower came, and he said, hey, so let, you got to let my people go. Let, let these people go. And the king, the violent king, would not let them go. And who knows that they're going to face death or whatever. And he wouldn't let them go. And he says, you got to let them go. And he says, I'm not going to let them go. He says, well, how about this? I will go underwater. He gives up his own life. He says, I, I, I'll go underwater and I'll hold my breath. And when he comes up, maybe he's subject to slave forever. Who knows? But he, he's like, I will go underwater. And I'll make a sacrifice. I'll go underwater. And as long as I can go underwater and hold my breath, you let that many people go free. And the king said, okay, this is a good deal thinking he's not going to hold his breath very long. There's going to be a very limited amount of people. So he goes underwater. The prince does. They open the castle gates, and families just start running for their lives. They're grabbing their children. They're running into the fields, into the forest. They're fleeing, and they wait 30 seconds, 60 seconds. They're waiting to shut these castle doors, and everyone's trying to get out. They're trampling each other, getting out to their freedom. And, and a minute goes by, a minute and a half, two minutes, and he never comes up. And he had taken the locks of his hair, and he tied them to the roots of a willow tree underground, and he gave up his life so that others could live. See, you'll, you can even look into the other religions of the world and you can, you can see how they've, they've, they've come up with their stories that resonate with something inside of them and say, you know, and there's, there's a need for a savior and salvation is needed and a, and a savior is needed. And that, that message is all throughout our, our, our world. But it actually happened. And it happened 2,000 years ago on a cross as our Savior, Jesus Christ, died for the sins of the world. He gave his life so that we can live. And that's what I believe. You'll have to decide what you believe. But what I believe is found in John, 1 John chapter 4. And I'm going to close in prayer with this. In 1 John chapter 4, I want you to leave with these words on your heart. Summarize so well what we've talked about today. 1 John chapter 4, verse, verse 9. It says, this is how God showed his love for us, among us, that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That is what I believe. Right on. Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a church experience worship original song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today. Let's go.